Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Jean Bauer is the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary and has been hailed as the conscience of the food movement by Time Magazine. Since the mid-1980s, Jean has worked to end factory farming and advocated for a just and compassionate food system. He is the author of two best-selling books, and his work has educated millions and inspired an international farm sanctuary movement. Listen to how this humanitarian chooses himself in the most compassionate of ways. Gene Bauer, I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. It's wonderful to be with you. Always great talking with you, Juliana. You have been not only rescuing animals for, it's it over 40 years? Uh, not quite. Well, 36, since 1986. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm not That's good okay. at math. <laughs> but you've also been transforming people's thinking about animals. Can you talk about what a farm sanctuary is and what your journey towards starting one was about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a farm sanctuary is a place where animals who had been slated for slaughter, who had been raised in the agriculture system, are allowed to live out their lives instead. And they are seen as our friends, not our food. And at farm sanctuary, people are welcome to come get get to meet a cow or a turkey or a chicken or a pig and recognize that they're not that different than cats or dogs. Like all animals, farm animals just want to live and enjoy themselves. So that's what farm sanctuaries allow to occur for these animals. And then they're a place for people to think differently about how we relate to these other animals. You know, I grew up eating meat like everybody around me, and I didn't really think very much about the fact that these were living, feeling animals who are suffering terribly in our food system. So farm sanctuaries are a model of living with other animals in a different way, where we're not causing unnecessary harm and unnecessary suffering. So I've heard that the number is 1 million animals slaughtered an hour, and that's just impossible to fathom and to think about. But you always emphasize all of the benefits of not eating animals, the environment, the animals, the health, of course, but you also do this gorgeous job of reminding people about the animals themselves because of all the years you've spent and all the experience you've had spending time interacting with them. Can you tell us about animals, their personalities, their desire to connect? Absolutely. You know, these animals have the same sorts of feelings that other animals have. They develop relationships with other animals. They have memories. Um, they have close friends and, and they have some folks or some other animals that they might not want to spend so much time with. But they are, just like all of us, social animals, very much influenced by our social environment. And in the factory farming system, these animals experience extreme stress. They're not allowed to express basic normal behaviors. They're kept in crates where they can't even move. And so they're under constant uh turmoil, really. And when you visit these places, you actually can feel it in the air as a human being. Uh, and you contrast that environment with an animal coming to a sanctuary where they are welcome and they're, they're allowed to be themselves. And it's, it's night and day between a slaughterhouse and a sanctuary. And, um, you know, oftentimes animals who first arrive at farm sanctuary take their cues from residents who are already there uh, and they realize that they're now in a safe place when they see 
that the other animals are not afraid of people. Because when you go to factory farms and you go to slaughterhouses, the animals are always afraid of people because of what people do to them. Tell us some stories about some of the animals. I've been to Farm Sanctuary a few times and loved every minute of it. I was at one of the, or a couple of the Thanksgivings where the turkeys eat and we just celebrate the turkeys. But can you talk about some of the interactions, some of the personality traits unique to some of these animals? Oh, oh, certainly, certainly. Well, and it's great that you you come to the Thanksgiving events. Uh, you know, this is a time of year when a lot of people are thinking about eating dead birds. And, you know, in 1986, we felt that there needed to be an alternative. So every year for Thanksgiving, we feed the turkeys instead of eating them. They are the guests of honor at our annual events. And uh, it's it's a great time for for the animals, for people. Oftentimes people bring kids and it's, it's just a very positive experience. But as far as, you know, individuals, you know, one of the stories that I like to tell is of Opie, who is a calf that I found left for dead at a stockyard. He was born on a dairy farm. And because he was useless, he was sent to the stockyard on the day he was born, still wet from afterbirth. It was a freezing day in upstate New York and he was dying of hypothermia. Um, so I was able to rescue him, brought him back to farm sanctuary, and, and he was comatose, practically. His eyes were sunken in, he couldn't lift his head, uh, but I got him on intravenous fluids. And then in the coming hours, he, life started coming back into him. Uh, he was able to open his eyes, able to lift his head, able to stand eventually, and then able to start suckling from a bottle. And I was very happy to see him making this progress, but he still didn't seem like he was doing very well. He, he wasn't thriving. And I wondered what it was that was missing. And then I, it dawned on me that he needed to be with other cows. So I brought him out to the cow barn and brought him into a pen and all of the other cows gathered around and started mooing to him. And then he started mooing back and perking up. And it what that told me was just, and really demonstrated, is how these are social animals and they need to be with members of their species or with friends. And, uh, and Opie ended up living with us for, for nearly 20 years. He ended up weighing close to 3,000 pounds. And, and uh, it was wonderful to see an animal who had come from such a, a bad circumstance recover and live such a, a wonderful life. It's so magical to be there and to touch them and to look at them and to see them in this environment. It's just such a special place. And I've brought my kids there too. And just even like, just what about pigs? Like, you know, people, people just don't even know about these animals and what they're really like. Like, can you share some more stories? Yes, yes. Well, well, pigs are, are very smart. When you look into a pig's eyes, they look an awful lot like a person's eyes. And I think it was Winston Churchill who said something like, a dog looks up to people, a cat looks down on people, but a pig will look you straight in the eye. They treat you like an equal. And pigs are probably more like humans than, than any other animals. They're, they're very much individuals. Some of them are much more outgoing than others. Um, they have their own social hierarchy. Uh, they develop friendships and um, they love belly rubs. You know, one of the things that uh, people love doing when they visit Farm Sanctuary is to walk up to one of these, you know, five or 600 pound pigs and just touching their belly, they flop over for a belly rub. So <laughs> they're, they're very um, earthy animals. They like rooting in the soil. 
Um, and you know, they, they like being in the mud and in ponds when it's really hot outside. And uh, they're just very earthy and very, um, much about the earth senses, right? So this is where, you know, giving them a belly rub, they flop right over. They love their food. Uh, and they're also very vocal. They'll let you know if they're happy or not. What about turkeys and chickens? Well, turkeys, actually, uh, many people are surprised by how friendly turkeys are. Uh, and when people have visited the sanctuary, turkeys have followed them around like puppy dogs. And we've had people who sit down in the barnyard and a turkey will run up to them and sit on their lap. So turkeys are very social, much more than many people expect. Uh, but again, they're individuals. So some are less interested in human companionship than others. And the same is true of chickens. Some are, are very friendly with people. Some like to keep their distance. Uh, but like other animals, they do develop relationships with other chickens and, and sometimes with people, but, but oftentimes with other chickens. People don't know really what goes on, you know, in the slaughterhouses. And we don't need to go into that because it, we don't really have to talk about that here. But I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about how 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 have you shifted that thinking? How do you you always have a very positive way of talking about this? And I like to focus on that here because, you know, when we put our hand head in the sand, it's very easy, but people really don't know what goes on. And can you talk about it from from your perspective of why these animals don't need to be used as food and and how you've managed to put that out there into the universe? Yes. Well, when, when Farm Sanctuary started in 1986, you know, my initial assumption was that we could go in there, we could document conditions, we could show people what was happening, and most people would want to have nothing to do with this industry and would go vegan, right? So that was kind of a, a simple mindset, but it, it's predicated on this idea that most people are humane, most people don't want to support unnecessary suffering, and at the same time, most people are unwittingly supporting this unnecessary suffering. So we try to expose what is happening and empower people to make choices and take positive steps towards eating food that is healthier for themselves, better for the planet, better for the animals. And one of the things I often say is that, you know, if we can live well without causing unnecessary harm, why wouldn't we? And I think most people would subscribe to that idea. You know, most people don't want to cause unnecessary harm. Uh, most people also would rather eat food that is nourishing and, and healthy instead of food that makes them sick. Most people would rather support a food system that's not destroying the planet the way animal agriculture does. So ultimately, I, I encourage people to think about their food choices and then to make choices that are better aligned with their own values and their own interests. So instead of saying, don't tell me, I don't want to know about factory farming because it's so upsetting, which, which many people say, people can see what they're contributing to and, and see what kind of a food system they're supporting and feel good about it. There, there's, I think that feels so good and it's so healthy to have that, that approach. Uh, and then you know, animal agriculture is one of the top contributors to the most significant environmental problems that we're facing, including the climate crisis. So um, makes a lot of sense to, to, to shift towards eating plant foods instead of animal foods. Yes. You are, you've been debating for a long time. I saw you on Larry King in 1991 advocating for the animals and 
and debating about the treatment of animals, but you always have a very classy, conscious, and gentle, sensitive way of doing so. And I will never forget watching you and Dr. Neil Barnard about on that uh, that debate called, with Intelligence Squared called "Don't Eat Anything with a Face," and I I watched again today because I just the first time I saw it I was hysterical crying I was like so excited and I chills the whole time. You and Neil did such an amazing job, but you know there were like these arguments the the counterpoints were talking about things like vegetables having a face and vegetables having feelings and that the guy said that the potatoes have eyes and corn have ears and he was arguing that plants communicate via chemical message and you handled it so well in fact the moderator even called you the polite guy in the debate right uh, can you just like discuss some of these seemingly legitimate questions that people have about giving up eating animals, like the whole plants feel pain or we're meant to eat animals or animals are going to die anyway. So just, you know, it just depends on how we treat the animals. Like all of these things that we hear all the time, I can go on and on, but can you share in your kind, inspiring way, how you respond to some of these or all of these arguments that people really, really think are, are true? Yeah. Well, we grow up with certain myths and delusions that allow us to do things that are not aligned with our humanity. And, you know, we sometimes label other animals as not deserving of compassion. And then we start denigrating them and saying, well, they don't really deserve it because they don't have, you know, whatever quality, you know, they don't have intelligence or they don't have feelings or they don't have a soul or whatever it might be. But these are all things that we tell ourselves that are not in line with empirical evidence. Uh, and so, I think just encouraging people to step back and ask themselves what feels right, uh, but to challenge some of their notions, you know, about this idea that we have to eat meat for our survival. That's a complete myth. In fact, we can feed more people with less land and fewer resources through plant-based agriculture instead of animal agriculture. In the U.S., we use 10 times more land for animal agriculture versus plant-based. So plant-based farming is very efficient. Um, you know, another thing people say is how vegan food is really expensive. Well, the reason it's expensive is because we are subsidizing factory farming. There was a study a few years ago looking at dairy industry income, and they found it took that the dairy industry profits, 73% of those were from government programs. So if we removed government programs for the dairy industry, it would not be profitable. And that's why some of this food is so inexpensive. It's because it's been subsidized. But uh, so plant foods are just inherently more efficient, uh, healthier, better for the environment, obviously better for animals. And um, so there, there's, you know, there's all these delusions. Um, but at the end of the day, we can make a choice to live well and to not cause suffering. And I think most people would agree that that makes sense. Um, you know, one of the uh, interviews I did a couple of years ago was actually with Tucker Carlson. And, uh, you know, he was talking about how humans have a right uh, and are our, our animals equal to us? And do we have a right to kill them? And I said, humans have the power to kill other animals, but whether we have the right to do it is a different question. And I also said that with power comes responsibility. And if we can live without causing harm, I think that that is a better way to live than with causing unnecessary harm. So I think with power does come responsibility and humans do have the opportunity in many cases to make much more compassionate choices. 
Right. There's all these myths that we could debunk. I mean, what you're saying, cost, you know, we could absolutely eat a very simple diet that's really the healthiest way to eat that's low, you know, low budget, easy on a budget. The the whole idea that that the land that if vegetables had pain or any of that stuff was true, you're using more of that stuff to feed the animals and you're concentrating it in the feed for animals. So it's like all of these interesting arguments that people really have or that whole idea that Oh, well, if you need to supplement with B12, then that just means that a vegan diet isn't natural. I, I mean, I'm sure you run across the same stuff all the time, too. Yes, yes. Again, these are all kinds of excuses or stories we tell ourselves to not make a change and to validate and enable behaviors that we don't necessarily feel very good about. And, I, you know, it's been said that we are rational animals. I think it's a lot more accurate to say that we are rationalizing animals and we rationalize when we don't feel very good about what we're doing. You know, so this idea that we have to eat meat for our health, you know, takes away any sort of responsibility. If we have to do it, then we're not responsible for the harm we're causing. But if but if it's a choice, if we don't have to do it, then we are responsible. And um, yeah, this idea that 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 plants have feelings. Um, you know, I, I think it's obvious that animals have feelings. They have a nervous system and all of these things, unlike plants. But as you said, if, even if plants did have feelings by eating plants directly, we're causing far fewer to be killed than if we're eating animals, which are fed enormous quantities of grains and other crops to be fattened. So even if you do believe that plants have feelings, uh, eating plants instead of animals is still the best way to prevent suffering. Yes. What about this whole idea about humane farming? Mm, humane farming. You know, there's also the Humane Slaughter Act. And I like to point that out because when you really think about it, the words humane and slaughter don't really belong together. You know, killing uh, is not a humane thing to do. Um, but again, this is part of how I think we try to delude ourselves into believing things that are not sensible, you know. And so with more awareness about the cruelty of factory farming, there has been a push to market products as humane or cage-free or free range. And usually those labels sound a lot better than they are. And these are animals that are still basically raised in crowded factory farms, maybe given a little bit more space. So it's certainly less bad, but it's definitely not good. And it's not humane. And it's not environmentally protective either. Oh, absolutely not. Whenever we're raising animals for food, we're using more resources. And so any of these sorts of humane animal farms or factory farms are inefficient from a resource standpoint. So you are also advocating for eating plants by being this walking role model. You're an endurance athlete. Tell us about that part of your journey. Yes. Well, oftentimes people have said that, you know, vegans don't get enough nutrients. They don't get enough protein. They don't get enough, you know, of these things in their diets. So few years ago, I started running marathons and doing triathlons, and I did an Ironman triathlon just, you know, to demonstrate that as a longtime vegan, I could do these things. But there are also elite athletes, and there's that film, Game Changers, that follows a number of individuals who are performing at the highest levels on a plant-based diet. So we can get everything we need nutritionally, not only to survive, but to thrive. 
Yes. So can you talk about that? Like what's a day in the life of you? Like how do you choose you now, Jean? Like how do you take care of yourself personally? A lot of what I'm doing now is actually, I'm not training for triathlons or marathons, uh, I, but I do try to get out and move. So I take long walks. I try to get in nature. Uh, I try to you know, get enough sleep, drink enough water, do a lot of those basic things. And, and always I try to focus on positive things that are happening instead of focusing on and being upset about the many terrible things happening in the world. I don't think we can ignore uh, or run away from the terrible things. We need to deal with them. But I try to dwell in the good things and focus on what I can do and on positive steps that are being taken instead of um, looking at the things I cannot change and that are harmful and upsetting. So I try to dwell in the positive while also acknowledging and working to stop uh, cruelty and injustice and oppression wherever I can. How do you do that? Well, you know, it's, it's celebrating small victories. You know, for example, if I'm talking to somebody and they tell me that they've stopped eating veal or they're eating less meat, I will celebrate that. And I will say, thank you. That's wonderful. Uh, instead of countering it by saying, well, you should eat no meat or, you, you know, if you stopped eating veal, you know, that's connected to the dairy industry. So instead of focusing on the, the, the deficiency or what is not going in the direction I think is positive, I will focus on what I think is positive. And, you know, one of my approaches is to find common ground and to build from there. And uh, again, we need to address cruelty and abuses and stop them. But when you focus on a positive thing somebody has done and you celebrate it, you create a certain energy around it that often will lead to other positive steps and, and can build momentum that way. So, you know, I just, you know, whenever something positive happens, I try to notice it. I try to celebrate it, you know, quietly usually, but I note it and I take heart from it. And uh, each time a positive things happens, it leads to more positive things, I believe. I love that. I love that way of thinking about it. Thank you so much, Jean. Sending you so much gratitude and love for all that you've done for the animals and for humanity. You are a beautiful soul, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, Juliana. I feel the same way about you, and I'm grateful for the positive energy you put out there and how you're supporting people to make positive choices. And uh, it's great to do this work alongside you. If you haven't seen what they do at Farm Sanctuary on Thanksgiving, it is so magical and I love it. You guys should check it out. There's videos of it. It's, it's so neat to celebrate with the turkeys. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com slash choose you now. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash choose you now to have access to exclusive content. For example, in this episode, Jean shares some shocking realities about animal agriculture. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.